This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And a very, very good morning. If you've just joined us, if you're a little bit later, that's absolutely fine. Hope you enjoyed the octopus's garden. I mean, I just sit there and think, yeah, I'd like to be under the sea right now as well. It's been so hot and at least you don't have to worry about electricity and power outages. But it's a, a beautiful day in Johannesburg. So you should be out in the garden enjoying it, even if it is dry. I hope some of you got a few drops of rain yesterday. I know I didn't. My house got nothing. And my guest is also sitting here and shaking her head and going, oh, my goodness. Like, But they did say... That if it rains before which is on the 10th of October, okay, then we wouldn't have good rain for the rest of the season. So when is the 10th? Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So hopefully, although it says that the, the, <laughs> the weather report says we are not going to have rain for at least 10 days. I'm sitting here and just thinking, guys, we are on level two water restrictions. Please bear that in mind, which means there's a whole bunch of things that you can't do, like using a hose pipe to wash the road outside your house. If I see anybody doing that, I will report you because, yes, I am the water czarina as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, some people call me that and I don't care. Um, but don't water your gardens between six o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the evening. In fact, if you can get it going, if you have a sprinkler system, then get it watered before six o'clock in the morning or get your buckets, buckets filled up and do it before eight because you don't want to be watering too late because it's so hot and then you're going to just like create humidity and your plants are going to go for a loop. But the person who's going to tell you more about that is one of my favorite people in the entire world. Okay. And she has been for a very long time. Some of you might have known her from when we were working together on the home channel doing gardening 101. She's the one who knows everything to do with organic gardening and vegetables and everything. So she she handles that side of stuff and I handled the pretties. It's none other than Linda Galvad from Sort After Seedlings, Linda Original Seeds and Franchi Cementi. And thank you for racing over here to come and play with us in our little sandpit today. <laughs> for you, anything, Mel. Feeling so mutual. Yeah. For you, anything. Uh, This is a wonderful thing when you get two blondes who, like, you know, met a very long time ago and then just suddenly decided we like each other and we're going to work together one way or the other. And then it happened. Yeah, yeah. And it's been fun. (laughs) It's been so fun. You are fun. You are fun. I like to be. One one should always have fun. One should always be as positive as possible. I know it can be very annoying (laughs) when I get full of beans and like, oh, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Don't worry. I have my downtime too. But um, whenever I see Linda, it does make me feel a lot. The mutual admiration society happening here. Sorry. Just bear with us for a moment. We'll settle down. We'll settle down. So what have you been doing since we last shot, which was, wow, way before lockdown even? Okay. I think that was the last time we did anything, well, apart from Mansfield today that we did anything for television itself. Yeah, it was a long, long time ago. Well, it felt like a long time ago. It was actually in 2000 and... 2019. I was going to say 2019, but then I seem to recall... We did something in 2020 2020, Right at the beginning. Beyond the Hedge, that other series that we put out as well, where we got to come and see the Sarapana Garden. I don't remember. No. I thought thought that was our last um, Gardening Gardening 101. 101... The, the last shooting was it, uh, that sounds terrible. The last, <laughs> the last filming was done, I think, in February. Because we were in lockdown in March. I seem to remember that. No, we it came and, yeah, we came and shot because we did, then we decided to do another, go, another show which was just about beautiful gardens and then, but then I came and shot with you as well, as I said, to do stuff for Mansfield today where we, we took yeah. it online because, um, we weren't able to go out and shoot stuff for TV itself. But they do keep on putting Gardening 101 on the series over and over and over. So if you've never seen us, keep an eye out for that on the home channel, channel 176. We'll keep punting it because it was great to do. So 
back to what we what have you been doing since um, lockdown 2020? So it's been quite exciting. Luckily for us, as you know, being agriculture, we were allowed to still trade. Mm. Um, being food, it was, you know, food agriculture, really. And um, I launched my own range then, which you you know well. As seen on TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Linda's original story. So As seen on TV. It was a good uh, bar line. Yeah, don't you yeah. Think? Um, and, yeah, and that's been a lot of fun because every year, well, every season, I'm trying to relaunch new products. We've actually got five new varieties coming out. Hibiscus is one of them. You'd be very interested in this. Um, one of the 2022 listed top things in the world in the food industry, culinary in- industry, was hibiscus. I know. And uh, potato milk. Uh. No, I, I got potato. I was peeling potatoes one day and it squirted and sprayed me in the eye. And I ended up with the most swollen eye and like then uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, Jane from Jane's Delicious Garden, turned around and said, yes, because it's actually slightly toxic when it's raw. So, you know, that's why you've got to wear goggles when you're peeling potatoes, which I found out, you know, it's itchy. It itches and itches. I can't imagine potato milk. But tell me more about the hibiscus. I can't believe it's one of the top ten. How did that happen? Firstly, I can't believe what you're telling me about the potato milk. That's quite serious. Mm. I had no idea. My dogs eat them raw. And they're not I supposed eat them raw to. as well, but you, you? if you get them in your eyes, it'll like set up a because it's a solanum. That's and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it know, is toxic. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be anyway. So if you get the juice of the potato in your eye, it'll like give you, you get a really bad reaction. So don't rub your eyes when you're pe- peeling potatoes or chilies. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks for that. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, so the hibiscus, that is fascinating. So you know the, the quintessential red hibiscus. It's yeah. not like the, the pretties that you do. The you know, the, yeah. yes. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> I think it's called, actually I don't know the botanical nomenclature 100%, but it's the very red tea based hibiscus. Yeah. I want to say Ro- Rosenthal, but I, but that's just. It is something like that. Yes. Roses, it's ro- a sine- uh, hibiscus rosa something. I'll yes, look it up while you tell me about it. Rosacea. No, that's actually, um, the family name or genus for roses, apricots, apple, rosacea. Yeah. Um, so I found that so interesting. And actually the plant grows really tall. Really tall. Yes. And it's straight. It doesn't bush out like the normal hibiscus, those beauties that are in our gardens, although those are edible as well. Mm. And what's so interesting about this is that it's not the flower that you actually use. Well, the petals, it's the calyx. Oh, really? Which close, the calyxes close, close up and then there's a seed inside there. So it's, so it's very unlike the presentation of the normal pretty hibiscus. It's very unusual. And it's that, that you harvest, what they call the fruit, which is, is a fruit. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but not as solid. It's not as solid because the calyxes are closing around it and mm. they individuals. So, um, that's, that is considered one of the top 22, uh, for culinary things for 2022. Okay. So it's, it seems to be hibiscus sab. <laughs> I can't get my B and D the right way around. Sabdorifa. Really? Yeah. Hibiscus sabdorifa. Um, and it is the, the calyx, the dried calyx. And yeah. That's the tea is made from that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and it's very, very, I mean, it's a, it's a superfood, very high in vitamin C and all kinds of things. It's fantastic. Yeah. But they grow like on a singular stalk kind of thing. That's their main, mm. um, and it doesn't get woody like 
you know, uh, it's hibiscus still so plant. Yeah. yeah, and um, thanks for all the fancy words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> Give me vegetables, yeah, and only the family name, and I'm good with that. Um, so, so it's fascinating because. It takes quite a long time to grow, mm-hmm. and it grows very well in our regions, very, very well. Um, so that's one of them. Chilies is another. Mm-hmm. Um, babe- Which kind of chili? Any chili? Or are we oh, talking sorry, about yeah. cayenne, cayenne ones? Or it's, It looks like a pepper dew. It's called a red cherry small. Very, oh, okay. very good. Because I grow Italy. sundews. What are those? That they, that's actually what the pepper dew is. Oh, is it called a sundew? Sundew, yeah. And they are absolutely fantastic. I've got a plant which has been going now for five years. Yeah, they are amazing. And it keeps on producing. And then, I mean, I don't, I make them for other people because I don't like them. I like really hot chilies. And I've never been particularly fond of the, the pepper dew variety. I find them too sweet in the, the way that most people do them. And I just bottle them in a pickle and I give them to friends and you can use the oil for everything on like, you know, drizzling over pasta and stuff. It's Ooh. really, really good. Yeah, that sounds so good. So is it the, 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 the Red, yeah, red chili small. Yes. Red pepper do small. Yeah, okay. red, it's called red cherry small. Yeah, which is interesting because we've got a tomato also called a red cherry small, and it's also like a little round tomato. Okay. It's actually more aroma shaped, Roma tomato shaped. Yes, um, which is like a, the the pear. Yeah, oval. Yeah, a little bit overly, um, and they're delicious. They like sugar lumps. So we've got those. We've got a baby leaf herb and salad mix, mm-hmm. which is going to be delicious. Um, and then I always get stuck here. <laughs> She's forgotten <laughs> what her own range is. <laughs> you like oh, me to look it up. For oh. <laughs> <laughs> Parsley, coriander, and rocket. Yeah, Ooh, wild parsley, rocket. coriander, and rocket. No, which is a little bit sad. It's the cultivated rocket. And I'll tell you why. Because the wild rocket is more, if I can say this, niche market, mm. simply because it's less known than mm. the cultivated rocket. Um, and it's also, it's an interesting thing. The top herbs really, you know, the most, I would say the, the top annual herbs are basil, rocket, coriander, and parsley. Yes. So those are, you know, they're the most well-known. So that's actually what we were focusing on mm. is the top well-known herbs. Um, and then these baby leaves and red cherry and hibiscus. Okay. So now we're going to take it right back to basics for people because people are saying, oh, but I can just go into a garden center and buy any seeds anyway. So I've just done a, a whole thing because wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news that, um, because I work a lot for Hadeco, and Hadeco has now taken on taking Linda's Originals and Frenchie Cementi around the country. Um, because, like, when you've got a small company, sometimes you, you how are you going to get your stuff out to people? So I'm very glad that you've come on board with us as well, which is great. So, so everybody in the whole country can now order online through Hadeco and get Linda's range of seeds. But what we've got to talk about first is what is the difference between the Franchi Cementi, Linda's Original, and the normal seeds that you can get. And what is the difference, because people get confused about this, non-GMO and heirloom? Those are brilliant questions, as usual, Mel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'd like to add another one in the uh, non-GMO, heirloom, organic, and hybrid. Yes. So... um, GMO is, as you well know, genetically modified organisms, which basically means that the genetic composition of that seed is from different species. So it's not only plants. Mm. It could be animals or whatever, human, in fact. Is it primarily jellyfish or something? All kinds of. Some fish. 
yeah, some kind of Fish, terrible. Yeah, smells fishy to me. But yeah, yeah. It was uh, nothing was, to do with my octopus garden, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the octopus garden in Cape Town? Are you talking? No, about? no. We were singing about the Beatles song. Oh, <laughs> singing, talking about the Beatles song. <laughs> so that's the GMOs, and we don't we don't touch those. Um, the difference between heirloom and heritage uh, sorry heirloom and hybrid which is a good way to to mm. compare the two hybrids are um mixed between different parents because you can hybridize something by cross crossing between two parents for example if you want a um blue flower because mm. there aren't a lot of blue flowers in the world in fact you know there's lilac and purple but blue in fact i don't know if there's a blue flower tell me there is a plumbago one of the ones is um really? very very blue and surprisingly enough there is actually a blue but it's it kind of errs on the side of lilac a lot of the yes. time amaryllis but it's only found in one little place in a forest in brazil on the side of a waterfall but one thing which is quite exciting, because turquoise is not a color that you find very often either, no. but they're working with creating a turquoise ixia. Oh, my oh, word. You have no idea how beautiful no, this is. Anyway, back to what dis- yes. I, I could gush like all day about the amazing flowers that you can get these days and which ones are blue. Um, your cornflowers, a lot so of them yes. are blue. Yes. Um, some of your delphiniums are very, very blue as well. But the, do- the deeper blue, lobelia, some of them are more blue than purple these days. And the days. agapanthus. And, of course, the agapanthus. But that's a dark blue. Yep. It's a dark deep, blue, deep blue. And now they're actually going towards um, creating more of the paler lilac and pale pink. Oh, that's going to be In Agapanthus as well. You see, that's exactly yeah. creating a. Yeah, so you, that, those are all hybrids. But then yeah. they, those hybrids have been bred then to actually become mother stock. So then they would not be heirloom, but they would be original stock. But then you would only be able to probably do them from splitting or tissue cultures mm. and maybe from the seeds. But I think that seeds might revert mm. back to one or the other parents. Mm. Is that how it works? Yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's done in generations. So you get familial one, which mm. is first generation and then second generation in hybrids. First generation, sometimes you can harvest seed. You'll never get true to type. So mm. you'll never get, you know, as you said, like true to the the parent, it mm. will it will revert back to one of the, the many bears. breeds. Yeah, the uh, so there's that. Um, whereas heirloom seeds, you harvest your seed. That's the beauty is that it's great for food security because you can always harvest your seeds. Mm. They always true to type, so they exactly like the parents. They stronger. They're more resilient, whereas as opposed to hybrids are not because hybrids are created through gene selection. And heirlooms are not. They have massive gene contribution, which means that resilience is higher. And then if we go back to the GMO as well, I mean, a lot of them have been actually crossbred like that to create a, an inbred resilience, which the plant wouldn't nat- naturally have against diseases and against pests so that people don't have to spray. Now, that's another thing which comes into being organic. Yes, so just to say that spray, in fact, uh, glyphosate, which you know comes in the, the Roundup Ready. That really dreadful yeah, stuff that nobody should be touching. Correct. Yeah. That actually is used around GMOs so that it kills any competition. So it won't kill the crop, the GMO mm. crop, because that is actually resilient. That's what's, what they mean when they say um, Roundup Ready. Mm. So they are they are capable of producing... Um, crops without competition and with the use of Roundup because that's what Roundup does. It, it protects kills everything that, else. It yeah. kills everything else. So there's no competition. And you're right. That's, that's a great way. We, when we come into 
um, the comparison between heirloom and organic. Organic is a methodology. So it's how in what environment you grow the crop in. So it's not genetic based, whereas mm. heirloom is genetic based and it has to be a minimum. Well, the school of thought is that it has to be a minimum of a hundred years old, the variety. But then there's another school of thought that says, um, anything from 1945 is considered also an heirloom an today. Heirloom seed, yeah. Mm. But I mean, your, you could get like your organic heirloom seeds, okay? Yeah. And then you put other stuff in that makes them not organic anymore. So you have to keep on with the whole organic or natural way of gardening to make sure that the fruit that you produce is organic too. Correct. That's absolutely correct. So that's, that's a great foundation because if you take that very heirloom seed, which is imperative for mm. food security, for, you know, all kinds of things to make sure that we have a food source forever, basically, because that's what heirlooms will do. Um, organic, if you take that very heirloom seed and you plant it in a non-organic environment, the fruit will not be organic, but the plant will still be, the seed will still be heirloom. heirloom. Yeah. So the one is genetic based, the Mm -hmm. heirloom, and the organic is methodology. It's how you plant it, in what environment you plant it. You won't, um, it won't have influence on the genetics of the plant, whereas heirloom is purely based on genetics. Okay. So now how many different varieties, no, no, this is going to kill you. How many different varieties are there in the Franchisamenti range? And of course that comes from Italy. So a lot of the stuff is actually Italian. We're going to talk about some of the different varieties Fabulous. and how many in the Linda's original and why are there, why is there a difference between the two ranges? Okay. So the Franchisamenti range, you know, we can have over 60 varieties at any given time. It's very, uh, seasonal based because winter you've got a, I want to say less of a variety in terms of what you can plant, which is true because mm. things are basically, you know, the greatest uh, family range in the winter season is the cabbage family, which mm. you know is cabbage, kale, cauliflower, Brussels broccoli, sprouts, Brussels sprouts, Chinese greens. Exactly yeah. right. So whereas in winter you've got a massive variety, you know, there's 600 tomatoes variety, over 600 tomato varieties, and they are all summer crops. So just there gives you, you know, a whole lot of choice. So mm. there's that. Um, the difference between the Linda's and Frankie range, we use a lot of the Frankie seeds in the Linda's range, mm. but we do have other seeds um, that come from, you know, local, like Moringa. Mm. Moringa is a superfood and it's fantastic. Hibiscus is mm. farmed here as well. Um, well, it's farmed here for us. That that seed is supplied from a grower in South Africa. And the um, the Frankie and the Linda's original seeds, the Linda's original seeds is now going to be 46 strong. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be 46 varieties. I think we started on 32. Um, so that's really exciting. And the difference, I would say, is quantity because quality is something I'm just not prepared to negotiate on. Mm-hmm. Frankie's cementy seeds set such an incredibly high standard. They literally are the best producing seeds, I would say, I'm confident to say, in the country. And in fact, they won um, the best seeds in the in the European Union in 2017. So that's no easy feat. Mm-hmm. So they really are, you know, I can really stand behind that statement. So the Linda's original seeds are mostly Frankie seeds that we just repacked because I found that they, you know, 
there's a lot of seeds in the Frankie packet, which is fantastic. But some people just want to try a few different varieties. Their gardens are small. Or, I mean, we put 30 seeds in a Linda's Original seed packet of tomatoes. Now, you're not – and we've got five varieties of tomatoes in the Linda's Original seed range. And how are you going to plant 30 seeds of one variety in your garden? You wouldn't. Mm, mm. You'd, you'd use that space for a whole lot of things, like a combination of different kinds of cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, colored peppers, whatever the case may be. Chilies. Chilies. <laughs> so we've supplied you with enough seed for about three or four seasons. Um, the seed lasts very long. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, yeah. you know, the most, most, a lot of the seeds that you find, a lot of things that you find will say plant only 2022. Whereas with heirloom seeds, you can save them and you can plant them out in a couple of years and they will still true. grow. Yeah, true. Yeah. So something like a tomato, interestingly, I planted a tomato seed um, this year that was saved from 2012. So tomatoes are actually, I found that they last the longest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I stand uh, to be corrected, but I find in my experience that Tomatoes last a very long time. Beans do too. Um, lettuce and onion lose their virility pretty quickly. Like within a year, mm. their virility drops quite substantially. But in that case, I, I, you know, I was, I was doing a course the other day. Well, I was giving a course the other day. And one of the things I teach my students is that they, they need to plant small seeds and large seeds. I teach them the mm. difference between mm. planting the two different sizes and I make them only use one seed. Per cavity, mm. and they fascinated by this. They they like you know in their education, in experience, you put a minimum of three seeds in. Per in hole. The, yeah, and I'm like, well, we don't have to do that because a Frankie seed one will germinate. Mm. Like I'm confident that they will germinate. But then hang on a second. What yeah. about the fact that they always say, oh no, you should always put four seeds if you want to get one plant because there's got to be one for the wind, one for the birds, one for the worms and one for you. <laughs> you remember that. Come on. I always something, I always learn something new from the <laughs> At least one thing new. So, so that's why we plant in trays because mm. we have absolutely, you know, control. We have absolutely control. You know, total control conditions. Exactly. We we protect the plant. We put the seed tray in an environment where there isn't going to be, let's see, what was the uh, wind, pests, pests, birds. birds. Yeah. So it won't. There won't be that attack, or you know, they won't be vulnerable to those things. Mm -hmm. So uh, we make sure we've got to grow. As you know, we grow for our gardens. Mm. The Saxon Garden, be Saxon Hotel Garden, being one of them. So we have to. Make absolutely sure there's a hundred percent success rate. Mm. So that's why we plant everything in trays. And as Linda's the one who always came up with, you can plant anything in a pot except a person. Right. So we'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. We've got lots more to talk about. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And if you've just joined us, well, happy Garden Day to you. And I haven't even said happy Garden Day to my guest today, Linda. Um, are you enjoying your garden today or are you actually out working in it, Linda Galvad? I know that you never, ever stop working. You're just as bad as me. We seem to spend our entire lives running around from place to place doing stuff. So true. You know those pictures where people say what my mother thinks I do, what my friends think I do, mm-hmm. and what my colleagues think I do? Well, I don't spend much time in the garden, unfortunately. No. Yeah, I spend my time, you know, running my business in front of a computer doing admin. Mm. It's a nightmare. Yeah, so are you going to take some time out and go and hang out in the garden for Garden Day? 
Where's um, my flower crown? We should be wearing flower, flower crowns. <laughs> no, not that either of us wear flower crowns. We usually put a hat on if we're lucky. <laughs> Especially in the garden. Um, I am going to hang out. There's some great uh, open day gardens. You know, you know them well. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's there's um, the one in um, Rosebank and uh, Rosebank Road in uh, Dunkeld. And then there's one in Inayanda as well. And there's one that Paul uh, Woodendall is doing. It's also this weekend. I think it's today. Oh, where? Oh, maybe it's the 12th or the 13th. What's okay. next week? Yeah, that would yeah, be that. Yeah, yes. it would be that. Okay, wrong there. Okay, but anyway, yeah, so um, the Johannesburg Garden yes. Club has got their two open gardens, and they have champagne bars and smoked salmon sandwiches, 50 rand entry to both. All the proceeds are going to Joburg Child Welfare. So, like, all of the money that you spend to go in there goes off to child welfare. So I think those are two great open gardens to go and visit. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. And and that uh, that club is fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. it's big. Lots of people join in that club. Yeah, I love going and talking to them. They, but except I sit there and think, oh, they've all forgotten more than I'll ever know. <laughs> it's one of those situations. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to learn, so, and people today are going to be learning from Linda Galbert. So we've had a chat about the seeds. So now what? goes into saying you teach courses and how often do you do them you do them around the country as well yeah so in summer we normally do a whole bunch we literally do them i don't like to do them in the middle of winter because that makes people exciting you can't really grow anything in the middle of winter unless it's you know in a in a greenhouse or a warm protected environment Mm. but um, we've just finished our courses because we've got, you know, our new seeds are launching. Our um, collaboration with Hideko is just come on board. So I seem to be very focused, had to be very focused on that. Mm-hmm. So our last course was held uh, two weeks ago on Sunday. We did a whole bunch of courses in Cape Town. That was fantastic at the Oranias of like Garden. It looked like a lot of fun, yeah. Oh, so beautiful. The one thing about being in Cape Town is that, during the course, which started at 10 and ended at 4, well, it never ends on time because, you know, there's so much fun. We've got so many things to talk about. Um, but it rained about seven times mm. during the day. Mm. You know, five minutes rain, eight minutes rain, stop sunshine. It's incredible. It sounds like the Maldives. Um, <laughs> no, the one one thing about growing in Cape Town, of course, is that their soil is so different to what we're doing. So, I mean, we're always saying to people, if you can – Grow your stuff in pots, grow it in raised beds, because then at least you've got some kind of control over the soil, because they have very poor soil. Very um, poor. But we're, we're actually quite, on the whole, blessed up in Gauteng with the soil that we have, much easier to grow. So, so what kind of things do you teach people on your courses? So I really start from the ground up. And I, I like to put it that way because the most important thing in any garden, as you well know, Mel, is soil, mm. the health of your soil. As you know, you know, healthy soil, healthy plants, help, healthy people. And I actually started the other way around. How I got into this is I started um, with how do we get healthy people? And then I thought, okay, well, this is a great way to get people healthy is to by bring you know by bringing in these sexy vegetable varieties you offering them something to look forward to and then they'll eat healthily but then how do you get the best out of those vegetables how do you bring the immune systems up of the vegetables which then translate into giving us greater immunity Mm -hmm. and that comes from the soil 
you have to get the soil right and you know you have to make that soil rich and full of you know organisms and it's got to be alive so we literally start there that's the base of our course is focusing massively on soil and this our course has really set you up for the rest of your life like mm. you can use the premise forever and you can go anywhere in the world and you can use uh, the education from our course and you can apply it and you can have a successful vegetable gone, organic vegetable gone. Interestingly enough, I heard from a number of people who have gone and like into horticulture and into like um, agricology as well. And they've gone to train in Israel. They say that that is the best training place in the whole world. Yeah. if You want to learn how to actually grow properly. Absolutely, especially in water-constrained environments. Mm. You know, I, I saw this um, documentary once of the of in Israel of them growing in the desert because actually most of the you know that is where most mm. of the agricultural crops are in the desert. It's quite fascinating. They're amazing, um, and they were growing sweet basil in the desert. Wow. Yeah. In a, in a, it was so interesting because they heated the environment up. It was in a grow tunnel and they heated the environment up by pumping hot water in pipes on the floor and about midway mm. of the tunnel. And that created enough heat for the basil to grow. Um, there was that. And of course, without a doubt, um, the drip line watering system was in fact Made in Israel, mm. was invented in Israel, produced, and it's the best in the world. Yeah, they yeah. are creation with absolutely fantastic innovations. Mm. Now we just have to wait for them to come up with a cure for polyphagous shot hole borer because I know they've been working on that for about fifteen years. And I still didn't know that. Yeah, really. Israel and California are the two areas in the world that have been hit really, really hard, apart from South Africa, because of course it gets into citrus. That's a shocker. Yeah. But anyway, back to yes, you. Yes. So Linda trains people. How to grow their gardens and how to do it the organic way. And then actually to reduce your waste profile by using stuff that you've got at home to make things to keep pests away, which we'll talk about. And also how to reduce your carbon footprint. Although bringing seeds in from Italy, that's quite, a, <laughs> that's quite a carbon kind of taxing thing there. Well, I, I have an answer to that because okay. I get asked that a lot. Um, and, if you had to weigh up, and I know this is, you know, if you had to weigh up the carbon footprint between putting seeds on a plane and bringing it to South Africa and then reducing your carbon footprint substantially by growing things in your garden and walking to your mm. garden and purchasing things instead of getting in your car, using your fuel, polluting the air, going to, you know, the store, mm. buying something there that Which was grown, been imported correct, from or, or Italy. It was it was grown here monoculturally, mm. created massive pollution, killed the environment. I don't know, I think it weighs up, you know, I I think Bringing seeds in from Italy is okay. Mm, okay. You know, that exchange. Yes. Is, is okay. And another very important thing, because I've thought about this a lot, as you can hear. Another very <laughs> important thing is that the seeds that we bring in, as I mentioned before, they are so successful. And I always say this to people, you know, people say to me, oh, I don't have a green thumb or green finger. And I always say to them, well, I certainly didn't. I used no. to kill cactus, and it's because I didn't water them, so I don't know what I was doing wrong. There's no such a thing. Yeah. I used to kill everything, too. There you go, and, yeah. and this is what we do now mm. as a living. Yeah. So um, it's purely educational. 
That's what it is. So if you're going to use a seed that's of poor quality, if that fails to grow, germinate, grow, and not give you any fruit, uh, there's no success, mm-hmm. you know, being uh, full of disease, You, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to say to me, I can't grow anything. Mm. So if you're going to use a seed that's exceptional quality, you're already instilling confidence into people's ability, which makes them feel they can do this. Mm. And then they will, they will branch out. They'll try other things. They'll start converting their lawns to vegetable gardens, which I know you are a huge fan of. Yeah. I, I do have a tiny little piece of lawn though, because I have cats that like to lie on it. I had young kids. I had dogs. And they all need a little patch of lawn. But you don't need rolling acres of lawn, which just, they like green deserts. And I know that some lawn's very good for people, and I'm not going to put the lawn people down. But it is much more sensible to actually have spaces, like dedicated spaces within a garden instead of just like a piece of lawn with a couple of trees around the outside. It just becomes a desert. There's nothing growing there. It's just using water. It's just using food. And what, you're going to lie on it. That's it. Yeah. Yep. It's a little futile. Mm. I'm, I, I would say then I'm far more um, right wing when it comes to lawns. <laughs> I'm like, dig them up. <laughs> Put in edibles because at the end of the day, I mean, you can use a cover crop that's edible yeah, and uh, it's as pretty as lawns. It just has a lot more use. My cat like would be very unhappy with you, Linda. Oh, really? Yeah. He loves lying on the lawn <laughs> underneath the washing line where all the lavender is because I have lavender <laughs> growing underneath the washing line. So my washing so smells pretty. lovely. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Hmm. Okay, sorry, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, so you can learn how to do these things. But the one thing that I think most people also get most frustrated about when they're growing apart from if their plant doesn't grow. Um, and then they think, oh, no, it's not growing. Because, and then we just say, well, when was the last time you watered oh. it? And that is always the key thing. You're either overwatering or underwatering. Yeah. So people will show you a picture of a plant and they say, what's wrong with my plant? And I'm like, well, just tell me what your watering regime is because <laughs> that will tell you everything. Yes. Okay. Pests, pests and diseases. And everybody thinks they need to go out and go and buy stuff for spraying insects. Mm-hmm. And I, the only time that I actually think that I, I do give in and maybe there's a couple of things that I will go after, which are the amaryllis lily borer. Um, the snout beetle, which infest oh, your aloes, terrible. which are horrible. And what was the third thing that I say to people that I do? Oh, flies inside the house. I can't. I walk around with my flowers and moths. I love summer. I'm a summer baby, but my goodness, the insects in summer are just heinous. Okay, moths and flies and slugs and all of those kind of things. Mollusks, yeah. I I see that there's trails around. So what can people do to keep their gardens organic, to be able to keep all of these things under control? Stuff that they can use from home, that they don't have to go out and spend a fortune on. So... That's such a, you know, that's such a good topic. I always like to spend time on two topics really, and that is soil and pests and what causes them. It's like anything else, you know, prevention is better than cure. Mm. And I have to, you know, I have to say that if you keep that top of mind, then the rest will come pretty easy because it's, it's really common sense. So when people say, well, what about pests? I say there's five things that you've got to know that will cause disease in your plants that's got nothing to do with pests at all. Mm. They are overwatering, as you mentioned, and underwatering. Mm. Too much food, mm. in other words, too much nutrition or too little. Bad soil, bad soil will definitely create a problem. Planting the wrong crop in the wrong season, you know, temperature control, 
um, having something that's very accustomed to growing in the sun because they need summer growing environment. And mm. then you plant them in winter. They're not going to survive. No. And lastly, temperature due to weather. That is literally the only thing you can't control. And that, you know, when it's ridiculous, like too much rain or droughts, mm. those are going to create problems when it comes to your plants. They are going to give your plants problems. It's fungal diseases, weakening the plant. Then comes the actual insects that are Attack what they because call they see, oh, we're going off to the weakest in the pack. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the little lions of the, the – actually, the, the dragonflies are the lions. Or that they they could be leopards because they're just sneaky and they are. The, do you know that they are the be, the best predators in the world? No, I did not. Dragonflies, top predator. That is worldwide. so. Inc- yeah. No, here's another interesting fact: fruit flies oh, are them. the closest genetics to humans. I know. Isn't that fascinating. I could tell you something else about fruit flies, but I don't know if it's right for this particular conversation. <laughs> it's just interesting stuff that I know about things. They drive me nuts. They are. Because they're I, a pest. They truly are a I mean, pest. I, I had like harvested some of my wonderful um, sweet potatoes, mm. which just grow like weeds. Okay. Mm. And I put them inside, washed off nicely into my little vegetable rack. I went in there and I thought, what on earth is going on? These things had nibbled all the way through and gone into one of them and pulped it, that there was juice coming out of it. Oh, no. I was, so, and that's fruit flies. Fruit flies don't just go after fruit. That's very interesting, but I just have to say, with regards to sweet potatoes, do you know you can eat the leaves? Yes, like They're a delicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like at all the same as well. thing as potatoes. Yeah. Actually, all what's considered vegetables, mm. which I would say close to seventy percent of what we call vegetables are in fact fruit. Yes. Not vegetables. You know, anything where the seed grows inside is a fruit. Not a vegetable. And a tomato is a berry. Oh, now that's fascinating. I thought it was just a fruit. What makes it a berry? Um, It makes it a berry because it's got seeds growing on the inside. So an apple is a berry. A banana is a berry. Um, That's uh, bananas. I forgot. Okay, so your stone fruit are not berries. Those are stone fruit. Your your berries like blackberry, blueberry, I'm not blueberry, blackberry, raspberry, mulberry, which are flowering. They're going. I'm I'm walking around scrumping everybody's mulberries at the moment. It's fantastic. Those are actually droops. They're not berries. A blueberry is a berry. A gooseberry is a berry, and a cranberry is a berry. And then apples. An orange could be sort of considered a berry, but you'd usually go for your apples and tomatoes and those kind of fleshy fruits with seeds on the inside. Strawberry's not a berry. So that's so interesting because I'm definitely going to look that up. That's fascinating, mm. um, especially the droops. Like mm. I had no idea. Um, but fruit, I've always just known it generally as fruit have seeds inside. Yes. And, and, so not to go for a greater distinction as in berries, but I'm definitely going to look that up. So people are always fascinated when I say pumpkins and baby marrows are fruit, but they are. Yeah. And as you know, avos are fruit yes. as well. Yeah. So when I, call, when, you know, when I talk about, uh, like on our videos that we do, whatever the case is, and I say, when the plant is going to fruit and people think, but those are vegetables. <laughs> so the thing about generally is that the, the flower, Becomes the fruit. Yes. Whereas, like with the cabbage family, the flower is after the after the actual crop. Yes. And that becomes the seed. So, what is an artichoke then? Because an actually, artichoke the artichoke would be a vegetable. Is it a vegetable or is it a is it a fruit? Because it actually we we cut, we take the bud. 
No, no, because remember, when the artichoke is finished at its at its it primary state, then it flowers. Okay. It, the flower doesn't come from the fruit doesn't. Well, the vegetable doesn't come from the flower. The flower comes afterwards. So the flower comes from the actual thing that we eat. Yes, like with capers as well, and with um, the cabbage family. Yeah. So you get you get the part that you eat first and then once it's gone too far and you mm. can no longer eat it and lettuce is another one then and onions then it goes to flower and it's those flowers that create the seed okay so it's the same as yeah <laughs> we have to distinguish between all of these things you know break yeah. it down make it because then it also helps you know how to grow the things That's and true. when they grow as well I always say that to tell whether a um, crop belongs to a certain family, like you mentioned that the potatoes are uh, solanum, solanacea, yeah, which is the same. Yeah, peppers, peppers, eggplant, chilies, yeah, Um, tobacco as well, hemlock as well. Is tobacco uh, solanum? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if you eat tobacco leaves, you'll die. But then, what do people chew? They chewing dried tobacco tobacco leaves. leaves. It is true. So they don't die, <laughs> but you can die from smoking Maybe it's it. Not. Well, hemlock, hemlock, you hemlock, do you, die. You can die, yes. Yeah, gooseberries, tamarillo, tomatillo. I always say tamarillo. Are they also? Okay. <laughs> you see, we can get ourselves into a whole discussion <laughs> just about what family belongs to that. Because I yes. said I love the whole thing about bananas. Banana is actually the largest herb. Oh no, Mel. Now, no. It now is. I've it's the of, largest herb. Why? Because it's the largest herbaceous plant tree as well. So it, it is uh, actually the largest herb. It is a fruit, but it's not a fruit. I don't know why that why is. Why wouldn't it's it a be berry. a fruit? Um, I, I can't remember. There is a reason. I'll find it out and I'll let you know, but I, I forgot. It's just it's gone straight out of my brain. It is the most fascinating, and, and it's also part of the bulb family. So it's like a really, really weird thing. Oh, I love bananas. Now I love them even more. Yeah, bananas. And do you know that they used to always be straight? No, but they I do straight. know that there are seeds inside the bananas. Yes, but they've but been you don't grown. grow them from that. No, and actually those seeds are quite, I mean, they're unpleasant. There's quite mm. a lot of them that are in the core mm. of the banana. And if you grow them by, you know, if you take a, a part of the bulb, as you were saying, to regrow because they do. They start growing babies from... Yes. So from, you actually just... Aren't they a offsets. Wouldn't they be a rhizome? But rhizomes under the bulb family. Isn't it's it? a geophyte. Oh. So you would take the offset of the banana plant and use that to yes. grow a new plant. Yeah, And then Not those will create a... It will revert back to its original form, which is where they get the seeds inside yes. the banana. It's no longer like... The tasty, soft, mushy bananas that we that we, we enjoy. Forget about and then think I'm going to make banana bread and eventually use them in a bucket of water to water your plants to give them a little oh, bit more yes. extra potassium along with eggshells. Oh, talking about yeah. that, banana banana um, potassium tea, mm. really, for your plants, fertilizer, great one. If you have Phalaenopsis, what uh, a lot of people call orchid. The moth orchid. Yes. They, um, if you cut up banana peels and put them on the base, mm. or, you know, on the sand, they grow. Those are, you know, they you mean actually, the phalaenopsis grow, the, not the bananas. The, yes, yeah. they grow. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. But my favorite part of that is mm-hmm. that phalaenopsis are edible. Imagine having a phalaenopsis salad. It would cost you a million rand. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that a lot of people say, though. Isn't it just cheaper to go and buy our food from the supermarket? Yes. Because, like, um, here I am. I've got one beautiful tomato, which cost me 80 rand <laughs> because of the amount grow. of money I put in to grow it. Yeah. Well, I always say, um, do you know the price of chemo? 
That's a good point, Linda, Linda, Linda. Very, very good point that. Yeah. So it is also about, I mean, knowing where your foods come from, what's gone into it, what you've put into it, what it's going to be putting into you. And that's, I think, the most important thing. So did you find a lot of people during the COVID era while, I mean, you were working the whole way through, did your sales go up because people were now stuck at home and they needed to do something and they thought, well, actually, we need to get ourselves as healthy as we can be. Yes. So let's grow our own food. Yes, there was a lot of that. Like, the actual increase in vegetable seeds internationally was 400%. There were seed shortages all over the world. They were literally sold out. America being one of them. Mm. Sold out seeds. You couldn't, you couldn't buy vegetable seeds. Has it kept at that level since then? Well, because a lot of people have gone back to work, they found, you know, time, time is a huge factor. Mm. I always say time is your, your, your most important commodity. It's irreplaceable. And mm. if you've ever lost somebody, you'll know how important time is um, or something you'll know. So um, time is very, you know, gone back to being at work. So there isn't that um, availability to, to focus on your vegetable garden. But what's so interesting is that what started off as a health um, boosting thing to do, as mm. you just mentioned, it's kind of now traversed into a sustainability thing because that seems to be the new threat to be self-sufficient, to be food secure. Absolutely. Where did I read yesterday? Because we were um, talking about the fact that, you know, the power is always going out, not just load shedding, but like, you know, our systems in Johannesburg are so antiquated and they need to be overhauled. And of course, there's no money. But um, they were saying that in certain countries, and I can't remember which one they said, that you could choose between eating or having electricity because oh you could not word. pay for both because things have become so expensive. Yeah, I, yeah. I can believe that. I mean... Um, I have a sibling in London, and the the cost of electricity has gone through the roof. Yeah, no, they're going to end up with load shedding over there as well. Yeah. They're going to be sitting there going, "This load shedding, what are they talking about?" And they're going to know. Yeah, as long as we stop selling our our decent coal to other countries mm. and stop selling our electricity, which we don't have for our own citizens to other countries, and I yes. think we we could actually get back on track here. But let's not get into that. Yeah. How do people get hold of you and how do they get to go on a course? When are you running your next courses? I always give her multi-questions because I know she can multitask. Um, You've trained me well. Yes. Yeah, I had to train her. Say, yes. <laughs> so, no, Linda, 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 this is how you do it. No, but seriously, um, how can people learn to grow organically? And I, I, I know you know I don't like that word because mm. anything that grows is organic, mm. um, naturally. Mm. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I've thought about that statement so often, mm. and you're right, you know, organic is from the earth. Mm. But I think in this instance, it's a, a title used for a methodology that people have adopted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the correct uh, word usage. It isn't. Mm. Um, but I think that's, that's what it's there for, really. Um, so to get hold of me, www.sort, as in S- O U G H T after seedlings with an S at the end dot co dot za or our contact uh, telephone number is 082-365-0050. And of course, if anybody didn't get that and they want to find out more, then they can always just drop us an email here. Blooming lovely at highfm.com and you can get the details from me. But I'm, I'm thinking that we should actually get Linda here on a, on a monthly basis so she can like give us a little chat. Um, to tell us what we should be planting in our gardens, like, you know, at that time of the year. What are you planting in your garden right now? 
tomatoes, here's the list, fabulous, tomatoes, cucumbers, eggplant, all kinds of peppers, sweet peppers, chilies, baby marrows, pumpkin, squash. All from seed. All from seed, Swiss chard. I'm glad you pointed that out because we're sitting in almost mid-October. Mm. And we so, had like a week of spring and went straight into mid-summer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, so your fast-growing crops like your radish and your lettuce and your, you know, your annual leafy like sweet basil, coriander, parsley, quicker growing herbs, mm-hmm. you can certainly still grow from seed. Beans, you can grow from seed because they really fast germinate. I mean grow from seed now because yeah. you've lost time. Um, seeds should have gone into the ground in September. Yeah. And we actually start our seeds in a protected environment at the end of July when it's still yeah. cold because we've got to have them ready by the end of August, the actual plant. Um, so you can focus on seedlings, but your baby marrow, pumpkin, um, that family, watermelon, all those things, they are very fast germinating. So we have what we call a dwarf variety baby marrow, Mm. which doesn't mean that the plant is small. It just means it doesn't trail. So your growing period is much shorter. So those you can plant by um, by seed. Okay. Dwarf beans. uh, I have to, you know, there's climbing and dwarf. And and a curcumelon? Curcumelon. So that's actually a perennial. Really? So you just put it in, it'll keep coming back year after year. So it's not when you have to keep planting. No. No, okay. it does have, you know, it does die off in about three years. You've mm. got to then plant again plant from again. seed. What a fun crop, though. But interestingly, the one yes. thing I'm always uh, getting from people, and I know that we're, we're running out of time, we'll talk really fast then. Uh, no, wait. Uh, people ask so often, I have a very shady garden, what can I plant in the way of vegetables? Absolutely nothing. No, no, no. no. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I just keep on saying to people, no, you can't plant, you have to have sun. You, your vegetables need six to eight so- hours of sun a day. So if you're asking, clear a space. That's, that is, you know, that is also a question I get in really deep dark shade. You're not going to grow anything, but dappled light, especially because of the heat we have these mm. days, you can definitely grow your tender leaf crops, your, yeah, your lettuce and, you know, your you know, herbs, some of your herbs. Coriander yeah. actually doesn't like to be in the, the absolute so sun. So it's green leafy things you yes. can put into a dappled shade environment. Strawberries and Swiss chard as well. Yeah. That's South Africans call spinach. But you can grow Swiss chard the whole year through, which yeah, is absolutely. fantastic. Yeah. Moroch, we love our spinach. That's the way it is. Okay, Linda. Yes. We're going to chat further. Um, no, I know we're going to get her back because people will just fall in love with you and we're going to have to have you because they're going to be clamoring for you. Thank you very much for coming in and joining us today. Of course, for the rest of you, get out into the garden, go and enjoy garden day, spend some time with your loved ones and your family and friends. Um, you notice I say family and loved ones separately a lot of the time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but really just consider how you can be more kind to the environment like Linda and I have been doing. And uh, we wish you all the best for the week ahead. And we'll catch up with you again next week. Take care and goodbye.